Brother Terry, and thank our praise team, our choir, and our children's church, and all of you for, for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, you turn to a familiar passage. You may not even need to turn. John 3.16. John 3.16. going to share with you a sermon this morning, For God So Loved the World. Our Valentine's Day coming up pretty soon focuses on love on that day especially, and I believe... Um, Thank uh, Miss Joy Reed and our Operations Christmas child. They have some. She has some tables set up out here. Some of the ladies they've got some goodies out there. And if you want, if you're looking for a gift, you can go ahead and pick one of those up after the service. And uh, they're reasonably priced, and they're all um, sugar filled in some way or another. And so, um, anyway, I'll know who's already had some if I see you nodding off uh, during church this morning. But anyway, uh, thank you for being here. I'm going to ask you to stand. Scripture's going to be on the screen, but like I said, you probably won't, uh, you probably won't need it. And let's see, we have that Scripture. Man, there we go. I'd like for us to quote this together. Okay, let's quote this together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to come and, and be a part of a worship service. Thank you for each person here. Speak to our hearts, I pray now, Lord. Just a simple verse that we've known for a long time. Help us to understand it better today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You'll have to listen perhaps a little quick today. So I have a lot to say, but just thinking on this verse, without question, probably the most popular verse you find in the Bible is John 3.16. Um, John 3.16 is a, is a verse that I memorized when I, when I was just a small child. It's the first verse that I ever memorized that'll probably, uh, that I ever memorized that will probably be the, probably the last verse that I ever forget. Someone has said that John 3.16 is the sweetest flower ever planted in the garden of God's holy scripture. I thought that was kind of neat. It's been referred to as some as a gospel in a nutshell. This one verse reveals the mind of God, reveals the heart of God, and also reveals the will of God. It's a verse that tells us about the love of God. So that's what we want to focus on. And I want to focus on this morning just the first part of that verse. Now understand, to begin with, that God loves us. God loves you. And that's the message that we need to be sharing with our friends and family and strangers that we meet, that God loves them. And so the first part of that verse, for God so loved the world. First of all, if you're taking notes, I just jotted down the origin, the origin of God's love. For God so loved the world. Now, I want you to notice the origin of his love. For God. Who? God. For God so loved the world. Uh, in the Greek, that is heotheos. Heotheos. Um, uh, the Greek word for God is theos. When we, when we, that's where we get the English word theology. When you study theology, you study about God. So the point is, the origin of this kind of love is from God. However, the verse also tells us that there's only one God. There's only one God. 
Now, there's some truths that are innate to us. There, there are truths that are natural to us. There are some truths that's just been inborn, instilled in us, really from birth. When God created us, he instilled a truth in us, and, and we know this as we get older and older and older. And that truth is that there's just one God. Every person today knows that there is a God. There is a God. The Bible says in Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool says there is no God. And so everyone knows there is a God. Now you have for God. Now that word for, it translated in the Greek, is uh, hea, or hae, hae theos. That word uh, hae is translated in English as the. So you're talking about the God so loved the world. And so the Bible is specific in this one verse that there's just one God, and it's the God of the Holy Scripture. It's the God of the Bible. So God, the one true God, so loves the world. So you can translate uh, for, in the Greek, as, uh, as the, the God, back to English, the God, the one true God. So the God so loved. He's, he's the only God. So we live, we live in a pluralistic society and where people say, well, there are many gods, several gods, many gods. And so our society thinks that, you know, they're all valid and they, they're all true. So you simply choose the one that works best for you and choose that God and that's what you need to do. But however, the Bible declares that there's not many gods, but there's only one God. And that's the God of the Bible. It's not Allah, it's not the God of the Bible. It's not Buddha, it's not the God of the Bible. But the God of the Bible, Yahweh, the God of the Bible. Now, the Bible teaches that God um, is omniscient. Omniscient means that he's all-knowing. So there's one God, the true God, the God of the Bible is all-knowing. The Bible says he's also omnipresent, means he's everywhere. He's everywhere, and then the Bible says that he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. So he's all-knowing, everywhere, all-powerful. But John 3.16 says that he is omnibenevolent. He is a God of love. He's all-love. He's a benevolent God. He, he loves everyone. So, you know, we say God loves us. Well, we don't think that's strange to say, to say that, well, God, God loves us. But if you lived in the period of time when this verse was written, it was a radical thing to think that, that God, a God, would love you. Now, there were all types of gods back during that time. There were peaceful gods, and they were fighting gods. They were working gods. They were lazy, God, lazy gods. They were uh, uh, rain gods, and they were sun gods, and they were every kind of god imaginable. And to say that God loves me, that was a strange thing to say then. But we're aware of that now. No one would ever consider the thought that God loves me. Now, 1 John 4, 8 just simply says this, God is love. So God is love. God is a God of love. And that's kind of a, a fundamental assertion that we can make today about God is that God is love. So the origin of God, uh, a love, the origin of love is God. Now, 1 John 3 1 John 3, verse 1. Listen to what God's Word says. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner, and I underline manner, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. 
What manner of love? Now that word manner uh, in the Greek simply means uh, from what country? From what country? What country does this love come from? Really, what manner of love is this? What country does this love come from? Well, the love of God is, is an out-of-the-world type love. It's not from this country. It's not from a country. You'll see that in a moment. The love of God is out-of-this-world kind of love, which means that this love originates in eternity. It originates at the very throne of God. The love that God has didn't originate here on earth. It originated in heaven. For God so loved the world. And so you have the origin of love, the origin from the one true God. And then secondly, you have the overflow of this love in that verse. For the God, or the God so loved. I want to just look at that word love and see what kind of word, what type of word that is. So the God so loved. Now the word love, the verb there, love, we use a lot, we use an English, one English word, love. You know, uh, I love football, or I love basketball, I love pizza, I love flowers, I, I love my wife. You know, we have one English word, but the Greeks had three words. And, but what does it mean when we say the God so loved, the verb there, the world? Well, three Greek words, I'm going to share those, and I'm going to point out something to you. First word they had was eros, and that's, uh, that word eros, or erotic, or sensual, uh, that Greek word eros, by the way, is not found in the Bible. You won't find the Greek word eros, that means sensual love, in the Bible. It's, it's not there. But the word eros, erotic, carries a... a um, an ideal of getting something. Sensual, sexual, erotic love carries this ideal of getting something. Uh, eros love is a desire for an object because of that object, what that object can give to a person. Let me say that again. Eros love is a desire for an object because of what that object can give to a person. Now let me give you an example. When a boy tells you, young ladies, teenagers, whomever, when a boy tells you that he loves you and he tries to get you to give yourself to him in an improper relationship, that's eros love. That's sensual, sexual, erotic love. You won't find that in the Bible. Now keep in mind that is erotic love. It carries the ideal of getting. Put that in your heart. That type of love carries the ideal of getting. Let me give an example. Let's say, for instance, on erotic love. Let's say, for instance, uh, um, a, a, say a guy, say a man takes a real dirty knife, just filthy knife, and then it's, it's filthy. And he, he takes an orange, and he takes that dirty knife, and he just sticks it, he sticks it in that orange. He gorges that orange. He makes a hole in that orange. And then he takes that orange and he squeezes all the juice that he can get out of that orange. And then he just tosses that orange in the garbage can and he says, I love oranges. It was what he could get out of the orange. 
That's erotic love. Erotic love is when a person has something in mind of getting something from someone. The same is true about that one who's desiring to get what he can get out of you. That's erotic love. And so erotic love is sensual love, sexual love. Then you have in the Bible, you have a word called philio. It's where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Philio is a brotherly love type. Love. It's mutual. It's a share in love. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I love Chris and love Tanil and their family. You know, that's a sharing type love. That's a friendship love. And that's, that's found in the Bible. A love that reaches. But then you have another love. You have agape love. And agape love is a love that reaches out. It's a love. It's a spiritual love. So you have essential love, all I can take. You have a social love, it's a give and it's a take, it's a friendship, it's a sharing. And then you have agape love, and it's all giving love, and that's John 3.16 kind of love. For God, or the God, loved the world that what? He gave. And so you see the agape love. When you read the Bible and it says, husbands, love your wives, it's not erotic love. It's not friendship love, but it's a self-sacrificing, giving love. And that's what we as husbands, that's how we need to love our wives. It's not what I can get from Judy, but it's what I can give to Judy. Same way with her. It's not what she can get from me, it's what she can give to me. Marriage is not 50-50, but marriage is 100-100. It takes 100% from both people in order to have a godly marriage. And so John 3.16 is a giving type of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I'm going to get a little technical with you in just a moment. I'm going to have to hurry. But when we talk about the love in John 3.16, that's a verb, and it comes in three aorist tense. And some of you English teachers, I uh, may not be explaining it just like you would, but it has three aorist tense in the Greek. And that's important because one way it's an ingressive verb, meaning that it's, um, it's, it's, it's about the active part of love. And then you have the cumulative aorist, and that's the, that's the final or the culminating, uh, it's when love ends. So you got the beginning of love, you got the ending of love. But this word in the Bible, in the Greek, is constantive Aorist, and that's looking at the action as a whole. It's, it's looking at eternity when you're speaking about love. For God so loved the world, constantive, looking at the action in its whole, in its totality. Now, what does that mean, Brother Sam? God's love is totality. Look at Jeremiah. This, this really explains it. Jeremiah 31, verse uh, 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with what kind of love? An everlasting love. See the action there? It's everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. So God says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Not, not a love that starts at the very beginning of, of time, your time maybe. Not, not a love that, that is... Um, uh, uh, the ending. It's not love that ends when your life ends. 
It's not that kind of love, but it's constative love. It's the whole. It's eternity. God says, I have loved you from vanishing point to vanishing point, from eternity past to eternity future. As you can't see it. It's out of this world love. See? That's the type of love. God says, I've loved you with an out-of-sight love. You look into eternity past, God loved. You look into eternity future, God loved. So the point is, there was never a time where God began to love you. Isn't that cool? Amen. Thank you. It's a good place to say it. If you, God said, God said, you, God says, you can't cause me to love you. I've been loving you a long time. And when this life is over, and you give your life to me, I'm going to love you forever and forever and forever and forever. You don't have to do one thing for God to love you. Before the world was formed, past eternity. Eternity past. God loved you. You know, before, before you came into the womb, God loved you. It wasn't the beginning, starting point. It wasn't the ending point when a person dies. But it was... It was constantive. It was eternity past, eternity future. God says, I will always love you. Before the stars were formed, I loved you. So God loved you with an out-of-sight love. God loved you before you were born. I remember when uh, I told Judy, first time, I love you. Now, I don't remember the day and the time. She probably does, but I don't. But I, I, I met Judy when we went to Northwest Shows. And I met her there. She went to school at Hackleburg. I went to school at Bell Green. And so we didn't know each other. We didn't know each other. But I told her prior to the time we got married, I really did, that I loved her. I loved you. But I didn't love her before because I didn't know her. Never had met her. But God says, I love you with an everlasting love. He knew you and loved you before you were even born. God loved you before you were born. God loves us in eternity past. God loves us in eternity future. There's never been a time, past, present, eternity, future, that God will not love you. He's always loved us. So what kind, what manner of love is this? It's an everlasting, not of this world kind of love. First John. First John uh, uh, 3, verse 1. Listen to this. 1 John 3, verse 1. Let me find it. 1 John, uh, 1 John 3. Uh-oh, I'm in 3 John. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Constantive arist totality from eternity to eternity past to eternity future. The point is he'll never stop loving us. Regardless of what you do, God loves you. God loves me. Heard a little boy, I read about a little boy that said this one time. I jotted it down. It's kind of neat. He says, Jesus loves me when I'm good, when I do the things I should. Jesus loves me when I'm bad, though it makes him very sad. That's the way it is. God's love is consistent. He never changes. God so loved. Let's look at that adverb just a minute. So loved. The Greek tense for that is tous. So loved. What, is, what does that mean? God loves the world so much 
And it carries the ideal of an overflow. Point two, I believe in your outline, overflow. It carries this idea of an overflow so much. He loves us so much. It gives that idea of an overflow. God's love is just not, it's not a stream, but God's love is a flowing river. It's that uh, adverb there is, is, it gives an overflow meaning. So God loves us with an overflowing love. You know, sometimes I drive over Mundi Bottom or uh, bridge down there, and I look in the water level below in the summer, be real hot. The water's evaporating. And uh, connected with the water board in a way, I'll say, hey, we may have to start conserving the water. We, you know, the water level's, the water level's low. Uh, go across Cummins Creek. You can tell there the water level's, you know, I wonder if we're going to run out of water. So here's the point. We have a love in heaven that is an overflowing love. You'll never run out of the love of God. It's an overflowing love. So you have the origin. One true God so loves with this overflowing love never runs out. Let me close with this. Is there's the object of his love. Notice that. For God so loved the world. He loved the world. Cosmos. Uh, the world cosmos. The English is... Uh, where's, we get the word cosmetic from cosmos. He loves the world. Uh, cosmetic means, don't be offended, to put things in order. I've, I've heard ladies say, I've got to go make up my face, or I've got to go put my face in order. That's what the word means. It means to put in order. John 2, he sa- I mean, God says he loves the world. Not the, not the natural world, not nature, not uh, the world system, but he loves the people in the world. He's speaking of the world of people. For God so loved the world of people. Verse 17 uh, in this passage talks of, he uses the word world three times there. The sum total of the world. All the people of the world. All races, all nationalities. He loves them all. Jesus loves the little children of the world. All the children of the world. Think about how Jesus loves all the people of the world. Listen to Psalm 8, verses uh, 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visited him? He loves the, he loves the world. He loves the world. We're just, our world is just a little speck in this solar system. And think of this, we're just a little speck in that little speck. And God yet visited us. That's how much he loves us. He visited us. The one true God visited us. For God so loved the people of the world. And and that's kind of an incredible statement to make, that God would visit the earth. When you begin to think how awful sinners we are. But yet God loved us to visit us. It's incredible because of the, the sinfulness of mankind. 1 John five nineteen. the whole world is wicked. Romans three nineteen. all the world is guilty before God. But God so loved the world. So loved the world. Did God love, did God love people? Does he love people? Sure he does. So regardless what you've ever done in your life, keep this in mind. God loves you. And so today, God wants to save you.
You have the origin of God's love, the God. You have the overflow of God's love, so loved, an overflowing. And then you have the object of his love, and that's just not one group of people. That's just not one selected group of people to receive salvation, but that's the whole world that he loves. I'm going to close with this. I, I may have shared it years and years and years ago, but it went along good with this message today. One cold night, a little boy on the street of a large city needed a place to spend the night. He went up to a policeman and he said, Sir, do you know anyone who would take me in for the night? And the policeman said, Go down to that big house on the corner and ring the bell. And when someone opens the door, just say, John 3.16. And so he did that. And he goes to the house, and he rings the bell. And the door opened, and the man's standing there. little boy looked up at him, and he said, uh, John 3.16. And the man said, well, son, come in. And he walked into this huge house. had a great big chandelier right in the foyer. And he thought, man, I, didn't know what, I don't know what John 3.16 means, but it'll get you in a big house. And the man said, are you cold? He said, yes, sir, I am. He said, go stand by that fire over there. He thought, I don't know what John 3.16 means, but it'll make a cold little boy warm. And he said, son, are you hungry? I said, yes, sir. And he says, I'll get, you, I'll get you something to eat real quick. And he said, I don't know what John 3.16 means, but it'll get a hungry boy fed. And then he said, well, son, would you like to have a bath? He said, yes, sir, I sure would. And he's thinking, I don't know what John 3.16 means, but it'll make a dirty little boy clean. He said, son, are you tired? He thought, I don't know what John 3.16 is. He said, just crawl up here in this bed. It'll be yours for the night. And he thought, but it'll make a little tired boy rest. And the next morning, the little boy got up, and he said to the man, he said, could you tell me what John 3.16 means? And the man said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him won't perish, but have everlasting life. This morning, if you're here, if you're viewing Facebook, YouTube, listen to the radio, you need to be saved. You're not too sinful for God to save because he loves you with an everlasting, from point, future past to future, and to the future in the future, eternity past, eternity future. And you need to be willing to give your heart and your life to him today. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The Bible teaches that you're never too lost to be saved. John 5, verse 40 says, You will not come to me that you might be saved. Now, if, if you could not go to him, if you could not come to him, why didn't Jesus say, you cannot come to me to be saved? But he said, you can come to me to be saved. And the only thing that stands between you and God today is your will 
not to come to him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son out of agape love that whoever believes in him, trusts him and nothing else will have an eternal, everlasting life. I pray that you'll do that today. Let's have a prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity I've had just to share part of that verse. For God so loved the world, God said so much, and so, Lord, I may have not done it justice, but I shared what you wanted me to share. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would take it to the hearts of people and let people know here today and those viewing in other ways that God loves them. He'll always love them. They've never done anything too bad that he won't forgive. He loves them. He wants to see them saved. Lord, your word tells us that you came to seek and to save those that are lost. I thank you for your Holy Spirit and how you touched my heart one day sitting in church on the back row. And Lord, your Holy Spirit touched my heart to let me know that without Jesus, I'd never go to heaven. And so I pray for every person here today that never trusted you to be Lord and Savior of their life. Not, mix, not put you in the mix with other things but to trust you and only you for your finished work there at Calvary. Thank you for what you're going to do in the hearts of people today, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.